Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. People notice a healthy smile, but maybe you have tooth sensitivity, bleeding gums, or acid-weakened enamel. Sensodyne, Paradontax, and Pronamel are trusted specialty toothpastes created to help improve your oral health. For tooth sensitivity, choose Sensodyne. Bleeding gums, get Paradontax. For acid-weakened enamel, Pronamel is the toothpaste for you. Sensodyne, Paradontax, and Pronamel. Trusted specialty toothpaste to help bring home your healthy smile. Visit Ibotta to earn cash back. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mm-mm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mm. I participate in McDonald's. If you like our show, you are going to love the official Lakers podcast on Podcast One. Join Emmy Award-winning sports reporter Susie Schuster and co-host Aaron Larsoul as they discuss the Lakers news of the day, break down the games from the week, and have exclusive interviews from players, coaches, and sports personalities. Lakers, the best team in L.A. You heard it here first. So don't miss the official Lakers podcast every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. The not-so-live edition of the PFF forecast on November 7th. We've got uh, an airport story because, Eric, you are in Philadelphia right now. And um, we're going to tell us a cool story about airports that I obviously love airports. So that'll be fun. We're going to do MVP, Comeback Player of the Year, and Coach of the Year real quick. And we're going to get into the games this week, pick the lock of the week, and then go through every other game um, and talk about any of the uh, sides that have any value. Let's rock. Eric, you hear me? Get me. Can you hear me live? I'm here, man. I'm here. I'm in Philadelphia, the land of uh, cheesesteaks and fourth down conversions. Uh, It's a bummer that um, so we're not able to do this live on the one day that I told people uh, in our article that we uh, put out every Thursday with our two or two to three uh, games that we write up that, hey, you can listen in live if you want to. And I assumed it wouldn't raise the needle whatsoever. And now it certainly won't, because uh, you being all the way across the country in Philadelphia is causing is causing technical difficulties. But at least I can hear you. That's what matters. Um, 
you had an early flight this morning and you didn't have an ID and yet you made it to Philadelphia. And so I need to hear the story. Yeah. So when, when we play at the Y, they make you like give out your ID to get a basketball. Right. And so sometimes my ID gets discon, you know, discarded from the, the actual wallet contents. Right. Uh-huh. So somehow I, I've misplaced it somewhere clearly. And it's been for about 10 days. And for like the first like seven days, I was like, oh, it's whatever. I'll just figure it out, you know. And then I realized I was flying to Philly on Thursday, and I freaked out. And so I did a ton of research. I did a ton of research on what you could do without an ID, (laughs) and uh, I found two previous IDs. So I'm carrying around a Nebraska ID, (laughs) and (laughs) and I'm carrying around an ID from when I used to live in Wisconsin. Um, I also have an expired passport. I actually have not, even though I've traveled quite a bit over the last like 10 years, it's almost, it's all been domestic. And so I haven't got my passport renewed uh, also. So I have these three pieces of ID that are like, that are not worthwhile. And then I have, but interestingly, I have multiple, I have a picture of my ID on my phone. So apparently that combination, that, that like lock, you know, is, is, Work, it will work and so i get up there and i and and it's early i got to the airport so early it's like the antithesis of you well, your i flight, got to the airport your flight was at what time 5 30 okay and i got there at, i got there at 3 30 jesus christ and, and the and the, <laughs> game, the uh the security doesn't open till four so oh, i'm sitting no. here like I'm sitting here next to next to the red, the the, the Cincinnati Reds like statue guy. At the, at the there must the be airport. no one in the airport. I'm shocked the doors were even open. Yeah, just coding. I, I started working, and then and then and then I get there. There's enough people where I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a disaster here, so I'm going to be last in line. So I'm last in line. I get there, and this guy at 4 a.m. is just not having any of my nonsense. Really? So. He sends me over to this woman, and she goes, "Okay, well, this is what we have to do," and and it, essentially they went through all my luggage, and I got, let's just call it an invasive pat down from mm. uh, this gentleman uh, who uh, was you know basically half awake, and I, I part a little bit of Alan from The Hangover came <laughs> over me. You know, the the, the tuxedo uh, fitting. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I survived, and I'm here. I don't know where to begin because <laughs> the fact that you showed up to the airport at three in the morning is amazing. Um, that was probably about 20 minutes after I went to sleep, which hurts my, hurts my I think brain I, I think I bit. texted you at that time yeah. knowing that. Yeah, it was a, it was a lullaby. Um, that's amazing to me. Now, I get why you showed up early because you were worried about, you know, getting through but also that's so early like it's it's the cincinnati northern kentucky airport like there's no one flying out of there at, at five in the morning um yeah i don't have tsa pre though like i'm like true there are a lot of assumptions you bring into flying that i don't bring into flying but yeah that's I, fair. I, I know what you're saying yeah that's i mean that airport is deceptive because they make you take this 10 minute walk to get out to the terminals and so i'm used to getting in there and just flying through and it's not it's not that easy so i understand why you got there a little early i'm not surprised 
I'm not surprised that they gave you kind of a hard time because I would think that at bigger airports they deal with this a lot. People lose their IDs and and whatnot. And I actually knew that you could fly without an ID, so I wasn't as I wasn't that worried about it. Um, the like whole frisk thing is a little weird, though, right? I'm, I mean, and to his credit, he told me exactly what was going to happen. And he, it happened. he prepared you for it. So, so I was, I was tense. Uh, there was no like George <laughs> Costanza level, like you know, movement there. It was good. It was good. Did you get yourself? Did you have some time to get yourself some breakfast at the uh, at the airport? Uh, I did not actually. I I I said okay. I'm going to get to Philly at like seven seven thirty, and, and wait. Then that's I'm going to wait. In fact, I haven't eaten yet. Wow. Um, so I'm just I'm going. I'm. You're you know, waiting for the cheesesteak. That's what you're doing. Exactly. Although I don't like cheese, so we'll that's, see how I can uh, piece, piece that together. I'm sure you can find something else that's unhealthy in Philadelphia. What's your favorite meal to eat in the airport? Chinese. Wow. We're we're yeah. we're so similar, but also so vastly different. <laughs> yes. You'd have to hold <laughs> me at gunpoint before I'd eat. A, a meal, and B, Chinese in the airport. There was a month when I was a professor when I I traveled every single week for six weeks, and I ate, and I think because the connector was in Chicago, I ate at the same Chinese restaurant in the morning, like at 7 a.m. every single time. <sighs> wow. All right. On that note, we're going to get into football. Um, this actually, talking about airports, Reminds me of the home field conversation that we had about how home field advantage seemed to have gone away. Um, and imagine having to take these trips in crappy airport conditions, fly with other sick people, and then play a football game. I, I understand why home field has, has declined of late. Let's do a quick uh, MVP, coach of the year, comeback player of the year. We don't need to dive deeply, but I think it's a good conversation to have. Your MVP and um, your, your top three for MVP. Uh, yeah, Wilson is leading the league in war by a half a point. So Half a win. Half a win. That's a lot. So he... So, that's an, an egregious amount. So he's clearly the, the MVP. Of there the are NFL. good players that are worth in an entire season, a half a win above replacement. Yep. And then um, it's tough because, and then after, so I'm going to pick two and I know the third one's not a candidate for MVP, but I'm just going to highlight it. I'm going to go to Sean Watson at two. And then I'm going to do George Kittle, who by war <laughs> is the, is the most valuable non quarterback. I like that. Um, my top two are the same. Um, I think that uh, by the end of the season, Deshaun Watson makes it makes it real close. He's got an opportunity facing the Ravens coming up, and then the Patriots to really put a stamp on. And without you know, with Brissett's injury and and the Colts, um, you know, not being great, a chance to kind of make his stamp. While Wilson has a tough time, you know, winning that division, obviously. Um, and then third, uh, I was going to go George Kittle because of the name, uh, and I won't yeah. copy you. So um, I'm going to go Dak Prescott uh, over Lamar Jackson just to be a little different because I think Dak Prescott is overcoming things in Dallas while Lamar Jackson has had the benefit of a wonderful environment. And I'm not saying that 
like I would actually take Dak Prescott over Lamar Jackson if I were building a team. I, I don't think I would. I think I would take Lamar Jackson. Um, but Dak Prescott has played incredibly well despite having injuries to Amari Cooper, uh, Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins. Uh, so I'm going to put him at three. He's also averaging a full yard per pa- pass attempt more. And I know Lamar brings the, the rushing to the table, um, but Dak has brought it as a passer more than we've ever seen him before uh, and, and good on him since it's a contract year. Um, yeah, but yeah, those are, those taking, are great choices. He's taking sacks like a third, uh, a third of the time that he did last season. Um, right. He's just, he's throwing the ball further downfield. And, and I think, I don't think Kellen Moore is as much of a wizard as we thought. I think a lot of this should be on Dak Prescott. So that's my top three. We'll see how that changes. Coach of the year, your top three. Uh, yeah, uh, let's go with John Harbaugh, um, Frank Reich, and Matt Nagy. I'm going to be a little bit different here. I'm going to say Sean McDermott. Oh, that's interesting. Give me the, so ours are going to be very different. So let me give you mine and then, and then we'll go from there. So my, my number one is going to be Sean Payton. My number two is going to be John Harbaugh. And my number three Kyle Shanahan. Is, is going to be Kyle Shanahan. And yeah. it is so hard for me to leave Frank Reich off of this list. And I almost feel guilty like right now be, because of it. Um, and I think I might, in a pinch, put him uh, ahead of, of Kyle Shanahan. Um, but he's really close. So we're, we're drastically different there. My reasoning with Sean Payton is simply that this, no one... I know people are talking about the Saints, but they're not talking about them as much as people are talking about the Niners, Patriots, the Ravens, um, even the Packers. And I think that's just asinine. They've played a harder schedule. They've played with their backup quarterback. They're the most complete team in the NFL. They have also had injuries. And I think whether you're looking backwards or forwards, they're the best team in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. And that's so for me, and, and your your names are as good as mine, I think, there. And, and I think that's a top five group that you can't, Andy Reid can be folded in there because of the injuries he's had to his offense. But those five names, for me, I picked you know, Harbaugh because of the decisions mm-hmm. and the the fact that I think from a talent standpoint, he's punching above. I mean, the Niners acquired a ton of talent already, you know, in the offseason. Right. And, like, Kyle Shanahan's doing a terrific job. But the Ravens did nothing but subtract talent from that team other than at running back. And they're still in the hunt because of, you know, they've really made a push there. Reich, of course, for me, you get a lot of sympathy starting five and three when two weeks before the season, your, your quarterback decides to retire. And then Sean McDermott, to me, like if you look, the Josh Allen thing's weird. And, I, and we both would say, you know, you don't draft Josh Allen ahead of Lamar Jackson. You don't draft him where you drafted him. But everything else about that team makes a lot of sense. Their defense is coverage first, pass rush second. Um, you know, they 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 craft an offense. You know, I think Dable crafts an offense that limits our exposure to Josh Allen's weaknesses, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and because of that, you know, and they've had an easy schedule and all this kind of stuff, but because of that, you know, I, I give McDermott a decent amount of credit. I mean, they, they were supposed to tank in 2017, and they didn't because Tyrod Taylor played better than he, he you know, should have. And then last season they took, you know, some steps back, take some steps forward this year, and I think they should get some recognition for that. I, you know, I don't think he's the coach of the year, but I think at least he deserves an honorable mention. 
No, I like that. Um, yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of your points. In fact, I made an argument that John Harbaugh is the best coach in the NFL just yesterday afternoon and really thought long and hard about him versus Sean Payton. And I, I think it's just super darn close. The thing that took it over the edge for me is that even though John Harbaugh's decisions have been incredible, I think they're in light of how much it's improved. And Sean Payton has been making really good decisions for a while. And so I didn't want to overvalue that growth relative to the fact that they've also had some disappointing losses. So that that's what pushed Sean Payton over over the top for me. But I do think both of these races are super interesting because the coach of the year one is very close. The MVP one shouldn't be very close right now. But just because of the way people view quarterback play and the fact that Russell Wilson isn't winning that division, um, it's a very interesting one. If they beat the Niners, on Monday, which we're going to talk about here in a second, that obviously his odds will change a lot. I think right now he's uh, plus 275, plus 300, and I believe Deshaun Watson is in that range now. He's come up quite a bit. Uh, Aaron Rodgers at, I think, plus 600. Lamar Jackson, um, it depends. I've seen a bunch of different things, but anywhere from like plus 600 to plus 300. Um, So interesting stuff. All right, comeback player of the year. I have to put this on here for one reason and one reason only. Who's your comeback player of the year? Well, uh, that, that's really a good one because I, I have a hard time. I mean, obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo deserves some recognition there. He does. Um, Dalvin Cook, I think, deserves some recognition there. Um, coming back from two seasons uh, of, of you know, injury-filled play. And then here's, an, here's one, and it's a, in Bay Area as well, as I think Richard Sherman. Oh, Interesting. I, the Richard Sherman one, I, I think I think he's a, an inspirational leader. Um, I'm not sure that he's playing. His stats well. are a lot better than his grades are. Yeah. Let's put it like, and let's, but at the same time, that defense, whether it's cut, what, wherever, whichever way the arrow is pointing, that defense is such that like the coverage has improved enough with that the that in conjunction with the pass rush has been lethal, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, Sherman hasn't been terrible in seasons, but he certainly hasn't been elite, and he now has the fifth highest grade among corners so far this year. So, um, good on him. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Um, Jimmy G is the right answer, and I just... I just wanted to say that I talked about that. Yeah, he was so great against Arizona. I'm nervous a little bit because Seattle is a big game, but Seattle doesn't have a great defense either. Um, And I'm just I'm so excited about the idea of Emmanuel Sanders being on that team because I don't think we we talked about it being important, but I'm not sure we understood how big of an addition he is over the crap they've had at wide receiver because he's like they've had guys that are decent but he is a legitimate top 10 um, receiver I think he's ninth in PFF grade this season Alrighty, we're going to get into the games. Of course, we write an article. Uh, it publishes every Thursday morning. You should go check it out. We write up um, our picks there. And aside from the lock of the week, we have been absolutely crushing these write-ups. <laughs> I think we're like basically undefeated on everything we've written up, except for the lock of the week recently. So do with that what you will. We are not deterred. You know, we're not we're not going to get down because of a few off weeks. We're going to trust. Um, Trust in ourselves and keep keep trying to hammer these out. I'm not going to go on tilt. I promise. I think we may have gone on tilt a little bit last week with the way that we tried to mix things up. Not going to happen this week. So we're going to discuss 
about four games here that are interesting. We're going to start with Thursday night. The Chargers are going to Oakland. Chargers beat the Packers in a game where quite literally everyone on the planet bet against them. The entire stadium was full of Packer fans. I wouldn't be surprised if Chargers families like didn't even go to the game um, because it was just such a like inundation of, of, of Packers fans. And the Packers, I believe, were five-point favorites by the time that closed. So now they go to Oakland, and everyone seems to kind of be back on the Chargers um, in, in this game. Oakland, though, still getting a little bit of love. This is an interesting game, just a one-and-a-half-point spread. Yeah, and I even see it somewhere moving out to two. We printed really? it at one. Not a whole lot of difference between one, one-and-a-half, and two, no. to be quite fair. There's still some value there if you want to lay the points with the Chargers. Interestingly, last week there was a lot of money that came in that you know was line movement money that lost, and we were the beneficiary of it on Green Line for games like the Chargers, where we were ambivalent about them until the market loved Green Bay so much that the Chargers were a plus plus price pop for us at the time. Um, that's not going to be the case this week in this particular game because the oh, money's moving now. in our direction. Yeah. yeah, the money's moving in our direction here. Um, I, to me, and I wrote this up in the article. To me, it's like okay, there's a lot. There's a lot going on here in terms of like the endowment sort of effect, right? The Chargers think they're a playoff team. The Chargers believe that the Chargers, to, in their minds, are a contender in the AFC. Now they're not. They're clearly the evidence would suggest otherwise. But they are probably going to fight like hell to maintain what they thought they were endowed with. Mm-hmm. The Raiders, on the other hand, are playing with house's money at this point right now, right? There is nothing that can happen the rest of the season for the Oakland Raiders that would make this season into a disappointment, in my opinion. So that's going to cause them to play games like they did on Sunday, loose and effective uh, against the Lions. But the Lions gave them a great deal of opportunities in that game. McKissick fumbled the ball in Raiders territory in the first quarter. Uh, even after John Gruden called the timeout to give the, the the Lions an opportunity from the one-yard line, the Lions, who have three awesome receivers, decided to go with three tight ends and run a play fake. You know, right. um, the Raiders are the worst, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. The Chargers have some extremely good talent uh, on offense, um, and so I, that's where I see this. I see this as the Chargers finally playing up to their potential offensively second week with a new offensive coordinator uh, and the Raiders getting exposed defensively and not being able to keep up on the other side. I like all of your points. I'm apprehensive because um, the, the thing with the chargers is that they have a little bit. Now I don't want this to be a slight to them because they're not the Titans, but a little bit of a Titans feel where they just, they, they, bring you in with a good performance and then they just totally flip-flop um the next week and they've actually aside from that packers game which i know i know we're quick to say joey bosa and and melvin ingram and they're getting healthier on defense but can that also be a lot about the packers just having this massive letdown game um and we kind of go back to the fact that the chargers lost to like joe flacco duck hodges they beat mitch trubisky by one point they lost to Ryan Tannehill like they have lost to a lot of really crappy teams and really crappy offenses and the thing with the Raiders is they're actually a good offense and they're at home Um, and so that's the thing that gives me a little bit of pause Uh, that being said I 
I'm not going to argue with the numbers here. And if you go to PFF.com, get yourself an elite subscription and, and get PFF Greenline, um, you'll see that there's a little bit of a value here on the Chargers taking into consideration all of the things that that we have just talked about, right? But not over overvaluing them. So I can kind of get on board here. The, the big reason why is that Derek Carr has played well in games where everything is clean, right? Where he's got time to, you know, go downfield and, and not worry about the pass rush. And I do think there's a chance um, that the Chargers are able to give him just enough of an issue. Um, and, and those corners are able to cover just enough to uh, make Derek Carr turn into a pumpkin. Well, and it's a double whammy, too, because Carr... You know, so right now Rivers and Carr have basically the same PFF grade. They have they have ex- almost the exact passer rating when clean. Mm-hmm. Rivers has a 75 passer rating when pressured, which is reasonable. Yep. Carr has a 110 rating when pressured. Right. He also has he's leading the NFL right now in touchdown passes on third down. Right. So like, Carr's playing terrifically, but there are aspects of his game that are in that unstable category, and you wonder, okay, you know they don't have the best receivers in the world. Tyrell Williams is their best receiver. He was like not even able to crack the field at times with, with the chargers that, you know, they have tight ends or, you know, younger, you know, but still sort of unproven the, the chargers for all their faults, you know, Casey Hayward's a pretty good corner. If you, whoever he's going to go up against is probably not going to have as good of a game as normal. And you just sprinkle in some regression for Derek Carr. Uh, the fact that the chargers are a better road team than they are home team. All that kind of stuff. I I really do like this game. Um, So I think it's in contention here, and it certainly is one that we wrote up on the website. It is. You can go check it out. Uh, All right. Next game that we are going to discuss is the Baltimore Ravens. They're coming to visit us. Um, Probably actually would rather visit us than uh, the actual Cincinnati Bengals team um, because we're would probably offer more of a resistance to be perfectly honest the Bengals are starting ryan finley the spread on this game is 10 what we are going to talk about is the total which sits at 44 and a couple of weeks ago i would have had a real issue with this and the biggest reason is that the ravens are sort of on this path to prove everyone wrong now they just beat the patriots and so maybe there's a little bit of a well we can just kind of get through this game you know, we don't need to try and run up the score. We're not worried about Ryan Finley lighting us up. Um, and so really the the thing that would give me pause here is that Ryan Finley could light it up for the Ravens anyways by just throwing the ball to Earl Thomas and Marcus Peters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a situation I remember two years ago. We had the under and the Chargers Bills game that Peterman started and of course like all that made sense and then he throws five interceptions and that's how that game goes over in the first half basically so that's the issue now we also PFF Greenline had the under the last time they played the Bengals that game started with the kickoff return for a touchdown the Bengals even got a backdoor touchdown to cover the double digit spread and it still only got to 40 right right I I agree with your handicap here in terms of okay they're they they're not playing to prove anything here they're probably playing to get out of here and ryan finley is a lot of, ryan finley doesn't strike me as a peterman type turnover machine um there have been games like this for uh the ravens right when they had arizona at home as sort of a young team with a young quarterback 
They played that game close to the vest. That game ended 23-17 as well. Seahawks, uh, the Seahawks game was at 46, but again, that's against Russell Wilson. Steelers game was at 49. That went into overtime just to hit the over. So we've had they played under games, and I think the, their style of play, if there's any resistance to the running game at all, it's it's probably going to play under. And what I t- talked to you yesterday about, which was, you know, Joe Mixon for the Bengals has been his, you know horrific running the football in terms of you know efficiency, something like 3.2 yards per carry. The Ravens up front defensively are just bad enough to let him get four yards of carry, which I think actually plays well to this under. It will keep it will get Cincinnati to midfield and punt rather than punting from their own 20 uh, enough to, I think, maybe flip the field a few times to get this game to play to the play of that total. Yeah, 44 is is tough. And now I'm going to check the weather here. And the reason I'm going to check the weather is it was raining this morning. All right. And yep. I ride my bike to work every morning, and I just didn't think it, to even check it. So I'm, like, about to walk outside, and I see it pouring rain. It's like, oh, man, we're, we're already well, at this point in the in the uh, year. But then I looked at the weather report, and it was, like, supposed to snow this afternoon. So let me check here. Actually, it looks like it's going to be nice, like 56, uh, no snow in the forecast. So um, I don't know. I don't know that that makes me feel any particular type of way. Well, 44 is just tough because it's – you know, it's it's right below that key number. The Ravens are just they're they're good and good teams can just end up scoring a lot of points on really bad teams without even trying. Yeah. And this game open, it was forty six and a half in the yeah. middle part of the Losing week. Right? Value. So that so we, we have we have seen, you know, folks agree with us here. Um, but, you know, there's still some value. This is not a. You know, we you know, we're talking about you know a point four percent you know above break even, but it's it's worth talking about just because you know you might want to play, for example, a first half here if you can, because forty four, you know, you're clearly going to be getting something higher than twenty one. I'd have to see what the first half total is, but the first half total might offer value if it's above twenty one and a half, um, because you could get what you got last week in Dallas, although the first half did go over there as well. But just like a late touchdown screwing over your total, right? That doesn't, you know, as you said, you know, a number of times, those those incentives aren't necessarily aligned um, when it, uh, you know, uh, in the first half, right? Teams can play, uh, you know, closer to the vest and, and not, you know, uh, chase points early in the game. So that's something to consider for sure. Uh, as I look now, the the total is twenty two and a half first half. It's juiced to the under a little bit, minus one fifteen. But I think that's probably if you're if you're gun shy now about forty four. Um, full game, that might be a situation to play. I'm with you. I, I think this one. Um, uh, I think it, I think it makes the hall of very good, not the hall of yes. block of the week. Yes. All right. Uh, let's talk about the Sunday night game. If for no other reason than it's an interesting one, and the spread is three, and so I, our model currently sees there being um, no value on either side. But it's a Sunday night game, and it's a good game. And so I'm going to make us, you know, say we're in a pick'em league. I think many of us are. Which side we would go towards? So the Cowboys are three point favorites. The total is at 48. And this game is really interesting because I want to I want to pitch you something. Um, I am of the belief that Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins are very similar quarterbacks. Reject, accept timidly, or like yes, you're spot on. I, I accept. I would say I would put I would say the Dak Prescott's floor 
is a lot higher than Kirk Cousins' floor. Okay. And Cousins' ceiling is a lot higher than Dak's ceiling. Interesting. Okay. But I think that their mean, I think that their median is the same. So I agree with the floor part because Dak Prescott can run with the ball and he seems to be more with it upstairs. Like I, I watching that Kansas yeah. City game over and over again with Kirk Cousins, I felt like Kirk Cousins left his brain in Minnesota. legitimately and it feels like that happens at least five to six times a year particularly when they play good teams with Dak Prescott like sometimes it doesn't work out but I always feel like the guy's there mentally so I get that I'm curious about the ceiling though because we have seen Dak Prescott in a great situation be an you know the leader of a really good offense and even this year when the situation has not been that great he has been tremendous he's dealt with the highest drop rate in the nfl he's dealt with amari cooper going down for a little bit or being hampered in games both his tackles going out i mean when both his tackles have been out he had a quick pressure rate that was 45 percent. in other words pressure was uh coming his way in under 2.5 seconds 45 percent of the time he dropped back and has still managed to be one of the most successful uh, quarterbacks in the nfl so um i I would push back on that a little bit. I think they both have super high ceilings, though, because to me, the reason I compare these guys is when things are right, they can be top 10 quarterbacks. When things aren't right, they can be bottom five quarterbacks. And that's my whole reasoning around it. Yeah, for me, for my money, I just think Kirk is just a more like when Kirk sets his feet and throws the ball to the open receiver. I think he just does it so much more effectively than almost all the quarterbacks in the NFL, really. I mean, you know, his deep passes, especially, you know, that last you know month or so, but even, right. you know, historically, I just think his arm talent and his ability to, you know, be accurate down the field is just, it surpasses Dax. Not, not to say that Dax bad there. It's just to say that like, you know, like, for example, this year Prescott has, and a few of these could, a few of these might not be turnover-worthy plays, but he has, you know, almost twice the rate of turnover-worthy plays as Kirk Cousins. He has three interceptions on deep balls, right? Yeah. Cousins is the second highest-rated, you know, uh, NFL quarterback rating uh, on deep passes behind Russell Wilson and ahead of Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes, right? I mean, he's. He, I just think that when I see say ceiling, I'm thinking, okay, if you're playing a defense, it's going to give you that all day. I think Cousins maybe puts up a little bit better numbers than Prescott. Whereas if you have a team, if you have an offense like last year where, you know, the offensive line gives you 50 something sacks and you're, you know, your running backs overweight, you're why you have to acquire a wide receiver mid season, Dak can get you to the playoffs and Kirk can't. And that's, and, and, and that's kind of how I see the two of them. I think it's an interesting question, uh, but the similarities are definitely there. So this is, this line is basically saying i think that they're even you know teams I, I don't think the home field in dallas is that fantastic so three seems like a bit of a stretch to me um and so for that reason uh i think i would have to take the points here although i definitely like the cowboys team better the parts of of the vikings that i like are are the defense which i you know we know is unstable but not their coverage so much so that worries me like i think amari cooper is going to roast trey waynes and xavier Rhodes with just with reckless abandon and really the vikings are like praying that everson griffin just toasts tyron smith so many times that they that they're able to get to dak prescott um 
And then on the other side of things, the Vikings don't have Adam Thielen. And as much as OBC Johnson has been solid, um, the, it's just a huge step down from Adam Thielen. And so in a game where the teams are very close, um, you know, it, it, it's I really do like the home team better. But three points feels a little like a little bit rich to me. So I would take the Vikings plus three, I think. Yeah, I would even say if you can get this money line price up to a dollar fifty, we probably could see some value there. Um, you yeah. know, maybe one sixty or something like that. If you're looking, if you're in a pick'em league and you're trying to catch up to other people, the Vikings could be a straight up pick that could help flip a bit for you. Um, to me, in this game, where you know Dallas had a lot of has had a lot of success against teams that have struggled at linebacker. And we saw it on Monday night. Alec Ogletree is a disaster. Dale Buchanan is a disaster. There, and the the front seven of the of the Vikings is not. You know, they have some issues that, you know, no Sheldon Richardson, no interior pass rush. But Limbell Joseph can hold down the point of attack. Daniil Hunter against Lyle Collins, I think, is an advantage to the Vikings. And and Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr, I think, are more than good enough to neutralize Zeke and Tony Pollard both in the running game and throwing the ball short. I think that you flipped it to the other side. I think Dalvin Cook against the regressing linebackers of the Cowboys in the passing game could be something that the Vikings exploit. Now, they did not choose to do it against Kansas City last week, which is even more exploitable. So the question remains, like, who, who coaches better in this game? And to me, I'm not sure. I think we've seen Stefanski and Kellen Moore both have a lot of success this year. You know, but... If I had to, I, I would. I think I'd just take the points with the Vikings. But yeah. this is such an evenly matched game, in my opinion. No, it is. And if it comes down to a fourth down, you know, everyone gives Garrett a hard time. But I actually have way more faith in Garrett making the correct fourth down decision than I do Zimmer. Um, yes. Like by a, by a country mile. The Cowboys are interesting because they have gotten off to really slow starts, and the Vikings are a team that plays well from ahead. Um, uh, so, you know, that that might be something to monitor um i don't know it should be a really good game and i'm looking forward to watching it but we're not going to consider for the lock of the week so just we just had to get it in there the game that we are all waiting for happens on monday night it feels like monday night gets one really good game each year remember they got rams chiefs last year and they promoted it living hell out of it and now they've got seahawks 49ers i'm not sure i've been as excited for a game this side of Ravens Patriots this entire season and the Niners obviously undefeated the Seahawks interestingly you know they've lost a couple of games but both these teams the Niners everyone gives them crap for playing nobody the Seahawks haven't played anybody yet really either and both these teams have really hard schedules going forward now here's the thing the Niners were six point favorites on Monday morning when we were bleary eyed and half dead in here and I had an, an awakening, right, when I saw that the Seahawks were six-point underdogs in this game. And I expected, I think you probably would agree here, I expected this to come down a little bit off of the key number of six because of Russell Wilson. It's now six and a half. So can you explain, like, what's your explanation here? Because I, I am a little confused. Interestingly, the money line price has gone down for Seattle. So... You could have gotten them at 2:30 earlier in the week. It's 2:11 now, so there is a little bit of. It's kind of like it's two way, right? Like, and the difference between six and six and a half is a lot more now that the extra points get missed a lot. 
but this isn't something it's not like it's going out to seven here so it's interesting i i don't agree with this line move obviously we like seattle here as we said in the in the write-up the the issue is is of course that seattle is great offensively despite a lot of things and they're very poor defensively and we don't always see the manifestation of that of that badness um however they've been able to keep up with these teams despite it like we saw the rams on thursday night football against them like they let the rams do whatever they want and russell wilson just goes okay <laughs> you know toe for toe uh you know tampa bay was the same thing we had the under in that game that was a terrible uh you know and it ended up terribly there tampa bay did whatever they wanted offensively and wilson just is okay and then and then the last time we picked the seahawks which was I believe in Cleveland, it was a rare game where Cleveland moved the ball and scored points. Yep. And Wilson just matched, you know, drive for drive with them. Um, so it's again, it's the better quarterback getting points here. And I understand all the other matchups favor San Francisco to a degree, but I, I think the disparage. I think we're maybe overvaluing Jimmy G off of that Thursday night game. And we're still numb to the fact that, of what Russell Wilson is capable of. Yeah, I have two big reasons. You mentioned the first one, the disparity in quarterback. And here's the thing with the disparity in quarterback. It's not, it's not the middle 80% of plays. Both of these guys are great at making plus throws and good at avoiding negatively graded throws. There are two of only three quarterbacks in the NFL in the top 10 in both positive throw rate and avoiding negative throw rate. Dak Prescott's the other guy. But where these guys separate is where at the rate at which they make the really bad and the really good throws. Russell Wilson leads the NFL in big-time throws, those over-the-shoulder, beautiful rainbow shots to Tyler Lockett, and now will be Josh Gordon. And he is the best at limiting turnover-worthy plays. He has the fewest of those. Jimmy G is basically middle of the pack in both of those. He has a fourth as many big time throws. He has more than twice as many turnover worthy plays. Six points, six and a half points here is too many points for a guy in Russell Wilson who is going to make big plays and is going to avoid making catastrophically terrible ones. The second big point is that the main reason the Niners have such a high, uh, you know, opinion of themselves people have such a high opinion of the Niners is their defense has been tremendous. We just had the same game happen on Sunday night football last Sunday, a tremendous defense who has played no good offenses is going to be overvalued. That is the nature of defense. It is simply more dependent on how good the offenses that they're playing are. And so I would not be surprised to see this happen here again on another Sunday where it turns out that a good offense is able to beat what is a very talented defense. I'm not sure if Josh Gordon can play much of a role, but I'll tell you this, if he can, that receiving core is definitely going to be able to get open uh, against the Niners and um, and six and a half is just you're getting that key number of six obviously that's just too many points that convince you 100 percent. yeah and, <laughs> and the, the thing is is I mean this is I believe the this is an unprecedented amount of points a, a team with this winning percentage is getting home or road this late in the season so it's just one of the it's it's just one of those things where again, why are the Seahawks good? They're good because they're good at the most important thing. 
okay? Why are people a little bit sleeping on the Niners? It's because they're a little unproven at the most important thing. Yeah, they almost lost the, the Cardinals. And they're great at the things that, right, I mean, the Cardinals would cover this six points, right, last week. And they're, they're great at things that, continue to be unstable we saw this new england the other night right new england's defense all of a sudden looks ordinary um you know like all across the league where we you know it's it's how well you play offensively and then everything sort of you know cascades down from that and i think that russell wilson at least carries uh you know the the uh seattle seahawks to a close game in which case you know, I, I like this as a sweat here. By the way, when I was writing um, the article last night, I like to try and throw in musical references or pop culture references, and they're bad. I understand that. It's not like I do a good job of it. But I went down the rabbit hole of um, watching old Ciara music videos because I was going to make a Ciara, Jimmy G, Aaron Andrews reference. You'll have to read the article to get the full breadth of it. But... uh <laughs> So I was watching these videos and I was reminded of being like a high schooler coming home and watching MTV and like wondering if 50 Cent was going to be the number one music video for like the 80th straight week (laughs) and how how ridiculous these music videos are. Petey Pablo comes on my computer screen like, I mean, it's just the most absurd, hilarious stuff. Uh, There was like a cordless phone in the video. I don't know. It brought me down. Uh, memory lane. I, did you were you similar in the way that you watched? I just assumed every high school student watched like MTV and waited for music videos because we couldn't watch them anywhere else. Yeah, but I mean, but uh, TRL was like already showing only like fifteen seconds of the True. video by the time I was in high school, and and your four years are so younger than me. So what did you get? You got like a clip of like Fat Joe, like shaking his ass or what like right. that's like, well know. in in fairness i i mean i probably started watching it you know well before uh high school obviously i just kind of lump everything into one group because i was like sure you know um how'd you like the fat joe reference though? the fat joe is incredible i don't know if i've ever actually seen him shake his ass <laughs> i don't think that was something he did if i remember correctly uh he doesn't dance that was his whole thing yeah because you know gun in the pants all right that was brutal we're gonna move on now so uh the we have to pick the lock of the week. These are the games we're considering. Um, I am not going to let us take an under. I'm not going to let that happen. You are firmly on, you're firmly anti-under. The interesting thing about this season, right, is last year we tried to pick totals for, like, the first four weeks and were terrible. And then we tried, like, once or twice at the end of the year and were terrible. And this year we've actually been pretty good, but they've all been overs. And... And that is, I think, more to your worldview. And I, I share it. I, I think sweat. I like watching football, and I hate watching unders. So, like the intersection of those two things means I don't watch football, and I just don't know if I can do that to myself. Yes, I'm with you. So it comes down to Chargers uh, minus two on Thursday night, or Seattle plus six and a half on Monday night. Um, my vote is not. I'm not trying to reverse jinx the Niners, but my vote is for the Seahawks plus six and a half. Yeah, I would say with the, you know, I don't, I don't think it's right for us to take the number we took in the article. I would, I, I would be far more uh, reticent to take the Chargers minus one 
tonight than I would uh, San Francisco or sorry Seattle plus six, both article picks. But now since one number has moved towards us and the other away, I sort of want to buy that extra half point uh, that they're giving me for free. In, in which case, I would I would look probably to Seattle here. Here's a here's a, a secondary thing. I just looked at this again, trying to trying to help you guys out. If you didn't get minus one or pick or minus one and a half on the Chargers and you're un, unsatisfied with minus two, there is minus one and one half of a point first half plus one hundred on a book a bookie that we used to advertise with. Bookie so, that we used to know. Bookie that we used to know. So there are there are options. If God, you, that if, song is amazing. There there are bookies that you know there there are options other than the full game that you know if you do a little bit of math in your head. Uh, you know, offer some value that obviously we don't surface on Greenline because we don't surface all million possible bets. So just a, a thought there. I'm with you, though. I think Seattle plus six and a half is we liked it early in the week. We like it right now. Um, that's not always a good sign. But no, it's a terrible um, sign. But remember, we're not going on tilt. So I'd rather we're not going on tilt. I, I just, we, you know, regardless of what happens, we can't we can't go on tilt. So we got to say yeah. with our chest here, we're taking Seahawks plus six and a half as our lock of the week. We're going to donate any winnings that we get to charity. Hopefully, Russell Wilson cares about charity. We'll find out. Let's go on to the uh, the secondary games of the week. These are ones where we didn't feel as strongly. We're going to discuss them anyways. And there will be angles of these games that we don't talk about. But you can see what the math says uh, by going to PFF.com, getting yourself an elite subscription. You get green line. It has all the NFL plus all the FBS games. Plus, you get premium stats. Really good deal. So I highly advise that you go check it out. And... Here's the other thing. If your team's already out of it, like this is how you make the NFL season exciting. That and the draft. But you ready to go through these? Yeah, let's do it. All righty. Uh, I'm just going to go in order unless you uh, have a problem with that. So Lions, Bears. Um, Mitch Trubisky, I don't know if you saw this, but was bemoaning the fact that the TVs in Hallis Hall were playing get this sports television where they were get this talking about how bad the Chicago Bears were playing and uh, that apparently is rattling him so I am punting on everything uh, with the Bears however so is the part the market they are uh, two and a half point favorites at home against the Lions yeah it looks like you know we have a slight edge on Chicago money line um, but at two and a half yeah so you know, the, the issue here is the Detroit Lions are going back to being the Detroit Lions mm. and have lacked a defense in recent weeks. You do hate to see that. You do hate to see that. And for all of Mitch's foibles last week, in the second half, they did appear to get their groove on a little bit. So I know this is – to me, this is a clear, like – if you're not, if you're ever going to bet the Bears, this is now. The time um, is now. But I, but but I think I failed the, I failed the premise to begin with. The 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 if you're ever going to bet the Bears premise. So, uh, but yeah, that's where I mean. Matthew Stafford has played at Matthew Stafford is, I think you know having the best season of his career right now, and unfortunately we've we've seen such poor and you know injuries have, have affected it as well but we've seen such poor play by the lions defense in recent weeks that it hasn't come to fruition um 
does Detroit, after losing a game to an Oakland team that they should have beat, do they rise up again and try to get back to 500? Or do they kind of say, oh, this is a lost season? You know, those are the things I really worry about if I'm back in Detroit here. I, I, um, I, I agree with all of your points. And I'm just trying to think about how I could go into a Sunday with any of the money that I have worked hard to earn riding on Mitchell Trubisky's shoulders. And I just don't think yeah. I could. Now, if I had, we, to, did ba- we did back the bears at home against the Vikings and they did come through for us, but it was a long time ago, man. Chase Daniel. It's a long time ago. So, so we gotta, we gotta figure out the probability that Mitch Trubisky gets hurt. It's hurt. And Chase Daniel goes in and writes the ship. So this is, this is a kitchen sink game for both teams. Like the Lions, I mean, they have been getting kind of screwed, like up and down the season, and it's it's time for them to kind of pay this off. I think they, I, I like Matt Stafford as a rallying, uh, a quarterback that people are going to rally around slightly more than Mitch Trubisky. I think if the if the Bears, so I, the Lions might not have a great defense, but it's probably a defense that can confuse Mitchell Trubisky. And if the Bears get down again, man, at home, that is going to be rough. So um, uh, it's tough. I, I, I guess, I guess if I were in a pick'em league, I would, I would lean the Bears because of the value, but um, I wouldn't like it. Wouldn't feel good about it. All right, next up, Buffalo Bills going to Cleveland. This is a very interesting line because the Cleveland Browns are three-point favorites. Yes, it was two and a half. I believe it's now three, Um, and that surprises me. The the Sharps Sharps are having another 2017 season where they're betting Cleveland every week and getting drilled. Yeah, Sharps. Well, I like to consider us, uh, us very sharp. I think in different ways, but the the thing like last week was another one where we, you know, and, and this was a, you know, the, on uh, the PFF elite Facebook group, we had somebody said, I, I don't understand how you can have Denver only two point something point underdogs to the Browns. The Browns are so much more talented X, X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, home field advantage still matters, right? Cleveland never being like Cleveland took their best offensive player off the field on fourth and one. Like, it, kitchen, kitchen so far has not been able to get a full answer to a question correct. Nope. Oh, go for it on fourth down. Great decision. Run a draw on fourth and nine. Bad decision, right? Go yeah. for it on fourth one. Great decision. Take Nick Chubb off the field and run Don, Dontrell Hilliard, right? Like, what? Yeah. Right. It, it, it makes of- no sense. The receivers and Baker Mayfield look like they're in different books entirely. Uh, yes. He has the most um, he's both both been like the most unlucky quarterback in terms of, of non turnover worthy throws throws that generally don't get intercepted um, more than half the time that have ended up being intercepted. Um, and so it's just a total disaster there. I'm not saying that that's like absolving Baker Mayfield necessarily, but I do think it's just an overall disaster. They, they had so much success using heavy sets and using play action last year. They're not using heavy sets at all this year. And their play action is a bottom five unit um, offensively in the league. So they have been an absolute disaster. The question is though, are you, are you willing to back the bills? No, and that to me, I think it is. It is a situation where if this number got down to two and a half, I'd back Cleveland if I had to at all. 
But Buffalo, like if you look at our ELO ratings, Cleveland's 23rd and has earned that. And Buffalo's 19. Buffalo is a 6-2 and two team that is ninth, that is in the bottom half of our power rating. And it's, and it's 100% because their quarterback play. I mean, Josh Allen has almost a 4-1 to one turnover-worthy play to big-time throw ratio. That's not good. It's not good. And he, he's in the bottom five of the league in terms of producing negatively graded throws. He's had some positives this year. He certainly hasn't looked like a, the biggest disaster in the world. But the, he is propped up by playing. I mean, it's very much Trubisky like last season, Bortles like 2017, where a bad schedule and a pretty good defense and a coach, like I said, Sean McDermott is doing a pretty good job that are giving the quarterback just enough, you know, a big enough like edge where if he just does just enough not to hurt you, you can win. There's going to be a week where everything just goes right for Cleveland just by chance alone, like we saw in Baltimore. Right, I was going to say that already happened. (laughs) And I and I and and I, in that case, I can't see Buffalo beating them. Uh, I'm with you, um, and that's how I'm I'm picking that game as well. The Falcons and the Saints, a preview of Thanksgiving. Uh, The the spread is now thirteen. I'm making you pick a side. You taking the Falcons plus thirteen? Yeah, I guess. I'm not. I'm not. There's just no way. I understand why the math would shade 13. I get it. I totally understand it. Right? Matt Ryan has played well. They have a good offense. All these things. We do not have a variable in our model that says, is this the Atlanta Falcons? And that, to me, is all you need to know. I think we could make it like a traveling variable, though, like a traveling trophy. (laughs) Maybe give it to the Eagles next year. I don't know. We'll see. I'm praying for Dan uh, for jeez uh, for Doug Peterson to overcome. Jets, Giants. The Jets are technically at home. That doesn't really matter. The Giants are favored by two and a half. Your thoughts? Well, it's going to be hard to do this again, but I kind of like the under in this game in a Giants game. Um, the Jets are the Jets for all of the and this number has gone up right so it, it opened 43 it's now 44 we would shade under 44 here the 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 jets want to hide their quarterback a little bit here yeah and he's been bad <laughs> and and not just hey he was bad against the patriots no he's had a couple bad games against the normal teams here and Le'Veon Bell is a good enough. We talked about this with Joe Mixon. Le'Veon Bell is a good enough running back to get you four yards of carry on a bad offense. He's just good enough to get you sustaining a drive for a first down or two, but not a good enough to actually have you score points. And the Giants offense, I think, after seeing a week where Daniel Jones showed some flashes of being decent, but ultimately killed them because of turnovers, are probably going to try to hide their quarterback a little bit here, too. And to me, that plays to the under. I hate unders. You know this. We got screwed on one last week, but I would not be deterred here. If I had to bet this game, I guess that's how I would bet it. Um, if you had to pick a side for a pick'em league, uh, two and a half, you take an underdog? Uh, yeah, I think you'd have to. Yep. Yep. As much as it sucks. Uh, here's the thing to note. The Giants are not a good football team. No, they're they're very bad. I think some and, people see this and they're like, "Oh, the Giants are decent, right?" It's like, no, they're not. No, the honestly, the 
the fact that they hung with the Cowboys from on Monday Night Football for a quarter, two and a half quarters tells me way more about the Cowboys than it tells me about the Giants. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Cardinals Bucks. This is a game you actually we we discussed a little bit here, and I think it's it's interesting because it tells you a little bit about how people view the Cardinals after that San Francisco uh, that game that was close. Andy Isabella was like eighty six yarder at the end of the game to, to pull it a little bit closer. The Bucks are favored by four and a half after that spirited performance in Seattle. Um, I, this one is tough to me because four and a half for Jameis Winston is it just feels like a monumental hurdle to climb. Do you feel the same way? Uh, yeah. I mean, laying points with Jameis Winston. I mean, your ticket is ripped up by the second quarter in like half these games, right? Because do you, we saw it against San Francisco week one. We said, you know, this is to me and like our, our numbers actually shade a little bit towards Tampa Bay, but this is not something I can, I can back. Again, in another Tampa Bay game, we kind of like the under here, but the value is less than a percent, though. So it's kind of 52 and a half. It, it opened a little higher than that. Might get, I probably would like it all the way down to maybe 51 and a half. Um, but that's only if you like the pain that is unders. And there's not a whole lot to choose from from a watching perspective this week. So you might not want to even have to like subject yourself to that. But this is an interesting one. I think Kyler Murray is going to have a pretty good game in this one, in which case. Jameis is going to have to do what he did against Seattle, which is keep up. And even when we saw Jameis play a terrific game against Seattle, he fumbles the ball without getting touched, right? Like, it's a disaster. Just, there's always something with Jameis that is going to keep them from, you know, consistently having success. And so, like, if that's the case, it's really hard to lay points. I agree. The other thing is the Cardinals. The reason I like the under here is that the Cardinals, for all of the flash of what Cliff Kingsbury's offense is supposed to be they're actually just like a pretty boring offense that doesn't turn the ball over and doesn't have a ton of like super explosive plays unless Kyler Murray kind of creates them out of structure so um yeah that's just too many points and uh you know if you're looking for something to wager on that would be it if I have to take this in a pick um like I said I'd have a hard time um laying points with with Jameis Winston you can go to green line to see where uh where the math would side if if any Chiefs Titans does Pat Mahomes play what is your feeling as a Kansas City Chiefs uh fan yeah this is interesting because and a little bit of inside baseball here we we've had some issues with our odds feed this week this one I think is particularly so because where I look it looks like Kansas City is laying six on the road. Total is 48. Uh, money line for Kansas City is minus 265. So, and that's not what currently is showing up on Green Line. That'll be that'll be updated relatively soon here. Um, that seems that seems to mean that Kansas City is playing Mahomes, right? I mean, they're they're guarding against it, right? Yeah, and. Um, and and some of the books, the ones that we use to build our consensus line, you know, put a number up early in the week and kind of took it down and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but right now it seems like the you know at least where we're looking in some places, Mahomes is playing, and in that case, the Chiefs are laying a touchdown on the road. Tennessee was a play that Greenline liked all week last week. Um, we talked about on the podcast. There's always something goes wrong with Tennessee. 
especially after they start feeling themselves for a couple weeks as they were. And that's exactly what happened to it. You know, they were off like their field goal kicker missed three, three field goals on Sunday. Uh, he was supposed to be the saviors or Brian suck up their actual kicker. Uh, they don't cover the three points. They don't get through the back door, et cetera, et cetera. They missed the field goal to cut it for 10 to 7. It was a disaster, man. It was an absolute disaster. This is exactly what I told you about the Titans. They are a team that as soon as you think they are good, they are bad. Ryan Tannehill is bad. The interesting thing about the Chiefs is that their defense has seemingly found a couple of things playing Chris Jones on the outside. They really really hurt the Vikings doing that, and it, it... like it allowed them to seemingly play a little bit more free. Now I get it that the Vikings are a little banged up on the receiving end of things, but Hey, guess what? The Titans are too, just by the nature of who they are, which is the Titans. So, um, if you, uh, you know, if you, if you happen to be in a, a pick em league where they have like set the number, you know, just don't be an idiot. Just make sure you check. Wait lay the points with the chiefs if it's if they set it at early like three and a half right yeah i mean just just yeah all right dolphins colts uh i would like to spend no more than 10 seconds on this game the spread is 10 are you taking the colts or the dolphins uh dolphins but i'm not watching that's it. more than 10 seconds i'll take the dolphins too we will move on to the carolina panthers at the green bay packers this is an interesting game i anticipated this to be you know about a six point spread because i think the packers get a lot of love obviously the packers played terribly and that's probably why it's not six it's five and a half right now that being said um kyle allen the the shine has worn off a little bit it's basically christian mccaffrey or bust for the panthers so is that enough to to back to back a team getting five and a half in lambo yeah, it's really hard. I mean, like, you know, Allen's almost 6% of his passes are turnover worthy. Um, the Carolina offense is, is has negative expected points on run plays, even though McCaffrey's supposedly the MVP of the league, and negative EPA per pass play as well. Um, so they're not they're not humming, right? Like, they're a team that's played so no. bad. Teams. Opposite of hum. Yeah, and and I will I, – one thing to talk about briefly – Carolina was six and two starting last year. They ended up seven and nine. Like there are, which team is going to be that this year? It could very well be the Carolina Panthers, who are already been six and two to start. But um, so this this is to me a place where I think Green Bay gets healthy uh, at home. Panthers to me are not very good. Uh, Allen's going to give them turnovers, and I think Aaron Rodgers is going to. Um, I think have his way here uh, with Carolina. I agree. Now, some news just came out. Robbie Gold strained his quad, and it seems like him playing Monday is doubtful. They just signed the Niners. Just signed Chase McLaughlin, uh, who was a free agent kicker. So if you need Sarah McLaughlin, right? So if you needed any, um, <laughs> if you needed any extra reason, uh, that now the, qu- the question as we always ask is does this help or hurt a team because the Niners have a good offense they should go for fourth and short with this crappy kicker coming in do they now do that more often and does that actually end up hurting you if you take the Seahawks well I I would agree with that if gold was healthy all the way through the season but he has not been himself so So. if they were inclined not to they were probably more inclined not to use him than normal so but that's a good point um but that's Thank great. That that means maybe an extra point here or there uh, for right. that pick. 
Right. Uh, I'm I'm with you on the Packers. I, I it's tough because I love Christian McCaffrey mostly because I just think the dude is a stud off the field as much as he is on the field. But the Panthers he earned respect there. He's earned a lot of respect. You have to respect Christian McCaffrey, especially if you're Danny Amendola. Um, the the tough thing is that um, I got to think that Devontae Adams was nowhere near his regular self last week. And that game, kind of a letdown game. You figure you're going to bring your fans there. You're in L.A. Everyone's you know excited about it. I think they probably put the, the pedal back on the metal here. Um, I don't necessarily think Cam Newton being put on IR gives Kyle Allen some like new breath of fresh air, and he turns the corner. So those are my thoughts. Rams at the Steelers. Mason Rudolph getting three and a half at home. Everyone talks about how Jared Goff is abysmal on the road. You can also spend a ton of time talking about how Sean McVay is a great coach. Which one wins out here? The extra time to prepare for McVay or the fact that Goff ah, has been a little shaky? Yeah, I mean, equal number of turnover-worthy plays is big-time throws. Not right? great. So that's not good. And and the the question is, is through a bye week, are are some of the edges going to start to be bigger for Goff? And we we postulated at the beginning of the year that an all, an entire offseason was going to elicit that, and it didn't. Right? I mean, they they've had some success offensively, but have been mostly plotting for them. The Steelers are a good defense. Uh, we have them in the top ten in terms of our rating. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick has done a pretty good job since showing up. Um, their linebackers, you know, have have had their moments, you know, good and bad. Um, but they're getting pass rush from Bud Dupree, so on and so forth. Brandon Cooks appears to be out with a concussion, so they're not even going to be as you know multifaceted offensively as they want to be. You know, we like Pittsburgh going into the year. They're now four and four. Do we think they win this game outright? If they win this game outright, then we then Los Angeles has got some real problems. As a city, yes. Well, as a a sports town, not as a city. As a football town, they have no problems as a basketball town. they, aside from the fact that Kawhi manage, uh, Kawhi's load management is absolutely hilarious, <laughs> dude, like the, the is on vacation. Like, had to fake a knee injury so he didn't piss off the league or something. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it sucks because they're, they're like they were playing the Bucks last night, and that's a game that's on national TV that everyone wants to watch. And this dude is like, Nah, man, I got to rest my knee. It's, I don't know. I don't want to. St- I just think it's weak. Like, I just think as a fan, it sucks and. I, I, don't know, I wish they didn't do that. That's the great thing about the NFL. The NFL has figured it out from a scarcity perspective. These games matter so much. Remember in the uh, World Series, it's like game seven. Oh, thank God. We finally have a game after 800 that matters. Yeah. Every game in the NFL is basically as close to a game seven as you can get for a regular season. Right. They yeah. all matter a ton. And then obviously in the playoffs, they're all game seven. It's so perfect. And so. The Rams need to win this game, and if they do not win this game, they are – it is a disaster. Right? If you can't beat Mason Rudolph and you're Jared Goff and you're making all this money, you, it's a really bad look. So I get that the Brandon Cooks thing hurts a little bit, um, but you've had this week to prepare. The, the Steelers should have lost to the freaking Dolphins, man. Um, 
So I don't know that I'm necessarily laying the points. I think, you know, gun to my head, that's what I would do. Um, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I kind of like under in this game. If I'm going to have to bet yeah. aside. Right. I, I always think about it more from like I'm forced to pick this in some sort of yeah. pool. If I'm forced to pick this, I'm going to lay the points of the Rams and just like sweat it out here. I don't hate the under, though. Um, protect Goff a little bit. Uh, defense. Protect Mason Rudolph. Yeah. There. I mean, look, we're getting close to Christmas. You better. <laughs> you better protect your man. All right. That is the uh, week. 10 man can you believe it's 10 i can't week 10 slate uh it should be a fun one because there are a couple of good games the majority of the games trash but a couple of games should be good we will be back with you late on sunday night early monday morning be sure to check that out we try to put together some good content for you guys so that on monday morning um, you can get rolling on the next week and of course if you want any more head to pff.com get yourself an elite subscription uh we've got one story though uh from the cincy y this week and we had taken a little hiatus from playing basketball and then i forget who it was was it sam Sam and Steve occasionally feel good enough that they can they can play basketball. <laughs> right. Like it's once every the, month. The it's, elder statesman of BFF decided. Once every month play. the calf heals uh, for Sam. And uh, is, is it a knee problem for Steve? Knee and hair problem for Steve. <laughs> yes. And uh, they're like, hey, let's play basketball. So we went out there and we played a little bit. And it, I, sh- I was working out. I came upstairs. I just so happened to get put on your team. So it was me and you. And uh, I, who would you – what's your favorite duo to compare us to on the basketball court? Well, I, you're not out of control, but I like the Jason Williams, Chris Weber comparison because, you know, I, me guarding Steve. Steve is seven inches taller than me. I am an undersized five in that situation, yep. much like Weber You're was stretch- at the end of his career. Yeah. And, and I can't remember who it was that told Chris Weber to get his ass under the basket and stop shooting threes. Was but that, that person track? could have applied the, the, the same uh, demands to me in that game. But the, the but uh, you're not out of control enough to be like Jason Williams. But I like that comparison. I, of course, growing up a Timberwolves fan, said Marbury Garnett. Um, that's a, that's you know, a good one. Stockton um, Malone. Stockton Malone is funny as well, though you shoot far too many threes to be uh, to be Malone. Yeah. Um, I was thinking back to like NBA Jam. Peyton Kemp was a fun one. Shrimp Kemp, that was kind of a sneaky one because Shrimp could shoot. I could I could not uh, hope to replicate Kemp off the court though. Nope, uh, nor on the court actually. He could jump uh, probably eight hundred times higher than you. Uh, and I'm thinking of current current duos. Um, and we might be, we might be kind of like Paul, Paul George and Kawhi. Cause we just don't play that often. <laughs> We're just constantly managing the load. Uh, uh I don't know. The, do you... the tough part was, you know, the tough part is how the fairness there, because Steve is, you know, we give Steve a lot of crap, but he's actually decent. Yeah. Well, he's and eight so feet tall. Put... Yeah. Right. I mean, it's hard to be bad, but if you put you on his team, it'd be immediately unfair. And then if you put me on his team, it'd be immediately unfair. So it was natural for me and you to be on the same team, but then ultimately that made the teams unfair as well. 
You know what I'm going to go with? We are, if you compare this to modern day duos, we are Luca and Kristaps. Uh, okay. And that's not, I'm not skin color guy. I'm not that dumb. Um, but the reason that that works is both of us shoot way better than we really take to the basket. And actually, I'm the one that I think goes to the basket a little more often than you. You're more of a, I will give you one dribble, you know, step back or one dribble, you know, post up jump shot type of deal. So that's what I'm going with for modern day guys. People You're a much better one-on-one player. I'm a slasher when it comes to going to the basket. I don't beat people one-on-one because I'm older and slower for sure. People but yeah, that's the, the, uh, the block shot against Steve was like a momentous moment for me though. Blocking I wish we had video. That would be the best PFF video we could put out. Um, I know. That is our story from Cincy Y. Hopefully you come back with a story from the Philly gym that you go to or some sort of Philadelphia story. I'm waiting for it. Um, you are at a conference, uh, a sports analytics conference. You're going to be on a panel about football analytics. So everyone I, I meant to mention this at the top of the show i did not everyone should um try and find a live stream that you will tweet out if you can get it uh but have fun be safe and uh try to make it through tsa in one piece uh the last part dubious but the other part's probable let's go all right peace out thanks guys for listening we'll see you on the flip side People notice a healthy smile, but maybe you have tooth sensitivity, bleeding gums, or acid-weakened enamel. Sensodyne, Paradontax, and Pronamel are trusted specialty toothpaste created to help improve your oral health. For tooth sensitivity, choose Sensodyne. Bleeding gums, get Paradontax. For acid-weakened enamel, Pronamel is the toothpaste for you. Sensodyne, Paradontax, and Pronamel. Trusted specialty toothpaste to help bring home your healthy smile. Visit Ibotta to earn cash back.